Welcome to Everyone's Special and No One Is, a podcast about obscure, misunderstood, and or controversial topics related to music. My name is Martin Chazelle, and as you can probably tell, I am not a professional bass player. Would you look at that, huh? You learn something new every day. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, that wasn't funny. Um... So, why am I playing bass in this episode? Well, it all started a couple days ago. It was over the weekend. I went home to Minnesota over the weekend. And one of the things that I wanted to do at home, aside from, you know, obviously spend time with family and friends, is that I wanted to go through a bunch of the stuff in my house that's been there for a really long time. It's stuff mostly from like middle school, high school, uh, maybe early college or whatever, just belongings, miscellaneous belongings of mine that really should be dealt with at some point. Right now, they're kind of all hanging out in the, you know, in the closet or on the dresser in my old bedroom at my mom's house. Some of it is in the basement in the crawl space. But, you know, I just have a lot of like random books. Uh, random music equipment, like literally just a box that's filled with uh, quarter-inch cables for connecting guitar pedals and guitars to amps. And it's like, I don't need that many cables anymore. I'm not trying to be... uh, I'm not trying to be a guitarist. I'm not trying to put together all these sounds with pedals. I'm much more focused now on the production side of things, which all the cables obviously are connected in the computer program itself. So... Ultimately, if we were doing like a spring cleaning, (laughs) probably all these random cables would be one of the first things on my list for things to get rid of, um, to give away or throw away. And, you know, if I ever need a cable, I can always get one. They're not that expensive. And there's absolutely no reason that they need to be taking up space in my mom's house when I'm not even living in Minnesota with her anymore. So it was just like a lot of a lot of stuff like that. Most of the things that I went through were a lot more sentimental than just some cables. There were books, like textbooks from classes that I used to take um, that I was just imagining, how could I ever bear to part without this book? Even if it's literally the um, funny story, when I was a ninth grader in high school, and I was thinking about my entire high school, uh, you know, journey 
Originally, I was really, really excited about taking AP European history in 10th grade. I thought that the opportunity to learn about the history of various countries in Europe from an extremely rigorous college-like course in high school, that that would have been really, really fun. But then I heard people complaining that they were having two hours of homework every night from that class. And I was like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know if diving that deep into European history is really that important for me. So what I did as a compromise is I did not sign up for AP European history, um, AP Euro for short. I just signed up for the regular class, the non-AP version. It just, it wasn't even European history. It was, I think, world history. (laughs) So it's like, rather than drill extremely deep into the history of Europe, we're just going to talk about the entire world and it's going to be chill and it's going to be a blast. And it was a blast and it was fun and it was a lot less stressful than AP Euro would have been. But um, the compromise part was that I actually, just for my own benefit, I purchased a copy of the textbook. It cost $200. I bought it with my own money. And at the time, I was obviously not working full-time or anything. I was a high school student. I did not have $200 to spend, to, to reasonably spend on something like that. So I bought this textbook just to have the satisfaction that I would have the content from the class without actually having to do the insane amounts of homework required in that class. And I loosely planned on reading that book, um, reading the textbook on and off at my own leisure. Um, I didn't put a specified time period on it, but I was like, this is a cool resource to have in case I want to learn about European history. And lo and behold, I don't know what that was supposed to be. Lo and behold, I did not actually spend hardly any time reading the book. You know, uh, it was just always something better to do than reading the AP European history textbook for leisure. Um, I don't know. I had these inflated ideas of like, oh, it's going to be so great. I'm going to be so smart. I'm going to be sitting down in my free time reading this really technical college level textbook as a high school student. It's like, no, I read probably the first 50 pages or so out of about, I don't know, um, 800 or so pages in the textbook, maybe even over a thousand. It's a really big textbook. (laughs) Um, and yeah, and and I didn't really continue with it after that. Uh, I don't know. That was also wrapped up in my Ayn Rand phase where I was really obsessed with, Uh, political philosophy and capitalism versus socialism versus communism versus fascism. And one of the things I originally wanted to do with the textbook is just learn about various political structures, how they've played out throughout history, um, rather than just working based off assumptions, like getting actual facts, just from my own personal knowledge of how these ideas about government play out in a real context. Um, anyway, that was, that was one of the things that I wanted to do with the book and I never really did it. It's just one of the many things that I got excited about in that period of time in my life that ended up not really coming to fruition, which I guess is kind of sad, but also I think I'm glad that I didn't spend all that time reading the AP European history textbook. Like that's, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Would I rather be making music during that time or reading 
the history textbook. Honestly, if I had it to do over again, I would probably still spend my free time working on all these music projects because that's so much more personal to who I am as an individual uh, making, creating different music projects and songs and productions and things. Um, so, yeah, so that was one piece of something on my shelf, which it's like, I couldn't bear to part with this book. It's like, why do I feel so attached to this textbook that I don't actually, like, I never read, I'm probably never going to read. Like, what is the point? Because I imagined throwing it away or giving it away or selling it on a textbook website. And like, those options just felt really sad to me because it's like, wait, but, but, but maybe, maybe I will get around to reading this, even though I don't really have much of an interest in European history. Maybe I will finally pick this up off the shelf and dive into it. It's like, I don't know. I get so attached to these things uh, that even now at age 23, I cannot believe I'm 23. At age 23, something that, you know, this book that I purchased when I was a ninth grader, I can't bear to part with it somehow, but it, it was it was painful. But I think I eventually did decide that if I had to give up a bunch of these books to consolidate to save on space for spring cleaning sometime in the future, I would probably give up this one because I need to just let go. It's healthy to let go of things sometimes. There's nothing wrong with changing your mind and eventually being like, okay, this is not important for me to spend my time on, you know? Um, and then there were other things that I was like, oh, these are really, really fascinating. Um, my brother is calling me right now. I'm going to pick it up. Hold on. Give me a second. Sorry, listeners. Hi, I'm recording a podcast right now. Do you want to be on the podcast? I'm okay. I'm just wondering what the name of your podcast is. Victoria and I are making dinner. Otherwise, I would. You're asking about the name of my podcast as I'm recording the podcast? No way. No way, really. But no, not your podcast. The um, one you showed me. Because I want to show it to Victoria. Oh, you mean that other podcast that I was showing you in the car? Okay. Yes. Bummer. I thought that would have been such a great moment if we, you... We can, we can, I can call you back and pretend like I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, that other podcast that we were listening to in the car is called Reply All, and the episode that we were listening to is called um, Long Distance. Okay, sounds good. And, it, and it's a three-parter, so <laughs> we were listening to the first part. What's your um, podcast about that you're doing right now? Um, the one I'm doing about right now is about uh, musical instruments and letting go of the past. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, well, good luck. Have fun. Is, is, is it okay if I put this in the podcast? <laughs> if you would like to. <laughs> you, you can say no. You don't have to. You no, don't have go to. for it. Yay, that's that's consent. Awesome. Consent. Okay. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> okay, thanks. All right. Bye. Yep. Bye-bye. All righty. Back to the bass guitar. Um, and me talking. So, that was fun. I hope I hope he has a good time listening to Reply All, a, a much much better produced podcast than this one much more professional you know you get a team of 
I don't even know, like 10 or 15 people working on a podcast that's going to turn out more involved. But anyway, uh, I've done enough um, self-criticism for one episode. But back to what I was saying. Um, So there were, so this textbook, I was like feeling sort of nostalgic for it, but also eh, I can let go of it. But one of the things that I found while going through the stuff at my mom's house, which I actually did pick up as like, this is an artifact from my childhood that I would actually like to spend more time with, is a book, not like a fiction or a nonfiction book, but a music book. A music book with sheet music uh, transcriptions from the album Clockwork Angels by the band Rush. Clockwork Angels was the last, like, real full studio album that the band Rush put out. And it came out in 2012, which was, like, the peak of me listening to Rush and being obsessed with that band. So the the album Clockwork Angels is really, really special to me in my past, and I spent a lot of time listening to it and obsessing over the story and the lyrics. And then I bought the book, like, the novel that's based on the music. But anyway, so what I found at my mom's house is a bass music book uh based on these songs um based not bass but i'm using both of those words uh so just you know if you want to learn to play the songs in the album on bass someone not not getty lee getty lee doesn't have time for this or didn't have time for this but the uh someone unrelated to the band actually took the time to write down and transcribe every single bass part and create tabs so that anyone can learn it on bass and um yeah so i just thought you know i have my bass like i brought it to nashville already i haven't been playing it much but it would be fun to dig into this book to reacquaint myself with this instrument to to start playing it a little bit more frequently maybe not as a permanent thing but just to like toy around with jamming along with some of these rush songs that i used to listen to you know that sounds kind of fun that sounds like a blast actually and as you can tell from the from the beginning of this podcast with me kind of struggling to play the the podcast theme ah. Anyway, um, I I am marginally okay at bass, and I'm and I'm sure that I could play that theme better if I gave it more time to practice. But I think that if bass guitar is going to be something that I more regularly use in my music productions, then it would help to get a little bit better at it. You know, it would help to hone my skills a bit by playing these Rush songs. And it would also be fun. And one of the things that I've struggled with the most lately is finding ways to have fun working on music. For whatever reason, that used to be the easiest thing. And now it's sometimes one of the hardest things for me to just get excited about making music again. Um, and and that's kind of what I wanted to dig into on this podcast, just talking about the way that instruments, specific instruments like bass, have shaped my life and how I'm thinking about them now in the present and my relationship with those instruments. Uh, some of these, you know, little stories and anecdotes are definitely going to be 
a tad bit um, overlapping with the epic series of my story, my journey throughout music that I already concluded a few episodes back. But I think just reflecting on this in a new light, in a new context, talking about instruments um, specifically will shine a little bit more light on things and maybe help me personally kind of, you know, deconstruct these things in my head and work out a little bit more clarity for myself on my feelings about these instruments. So uh just just to start with bass because again that's the, that's the instrument that is in my lap right now. <laughs> um I'm I'm going to I'm going to just talk through in a nutshell my relationship with the bass guitar. I started playing bass back in uh towards the end of 6th grade it was like the summer between 6th grade and 7th grade and then kind of throughout middle school and the impetus for me getting a bass guitar was because of course I was joining a rock band I was joining my friend Bobby we were going to play together it was going to be originally it was going to be me Bobby and Tanner um both of them have been guests on this podcast uh, it ended up just being me and Bobby for a period of time, and then we got on Grant as the drummer. Uh, but anyway, uh, so I, I picked up bass for the band. I started learning rock songs in the bass. I took bass lessons for about a year, um, not that long, but uh, one of the first things I learned to play on bass was, of course, um, <laughs> let me see if I can still play this without messing up. Uh Oh gosh! No, how does it go? I'm tr- I'm trying to play "Smoke on the Water." That's what I'm trying to do. Ba Okay, <laughs> this is embarrassing. There it is. Ah, see, I I can't even play it from memory. That's how much I did not spend time playing "Smoke on the Water." It was just like, oh, you got a guitar, you better learn how to play "Smoke on the Water." Anyway, so that's probably like the fifth time in my life that I've played that riff on bass guitar. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah, I, I, I wasn't super serious about bass lessons. Like I, I generally took my piano lessons and saxophone lessons a lot more seriously in terms of the time that I took preparing between the lessons. But also since I was in the rock band, I was constantly getting assignments on bass to learn certain songs and to master songs, um, not just for my teacher, but for the band. And, uh, I, you know, at the beginning, I was honestly mostly just playing, uh, simple quarter notes, you know, or eighth notes, like, or whatever. Um, and, and just learning how to do that, like <laughs> the the playing the same note over and over again with the two fingers alternating, like that took me a while to master. I mean, as anyone does as they're learning an instrument. But then I gradually, um, as me and Bobby and the band started to play more complex songs, um, I wanted to push myself, so I was learning songs like um, uh, Hysteria by Muse. Uh, I wonder if I can still play that riff. It's like, 
That was a horrible impression of it, but it's like. Ah. Gosh, this is so. Im- Why am I really. I should not be figuring out these songs live on the podcast. I should be pausing and rehearsing them. But I've decided that I'm taking this podcast in a more raw, genuine, um, unfiltered direction, which is why you're getting me struggling with these songs. Um, because I'm trying just to let go a little bit, to, to let go of making everything perfect. You know what I'm saying? Um, so th- this is me struggling to play the riff from the song Hysteria by Muse from memory. Okay, I kind of got it. So there you go. I'm sure you're sick and tired of me playing that riff now, so I'm going to stop. Um, anyway, I, I was learning some riffs like that. Um, between the summer of 7th grade and 8th grade, I went to this summer camp with Bobby. Um, this, this overnight camp in Wisconsin, uh, just living and breathing music. Uh, we were learning... We were learning guitar and bass. Like the whole camp was literally based on guitar and bass. So there were some bass students and there were some guitar students. And you spent time practicing together. You spent time practicing by yourselves. And the professors were all like super, super, super good musicians, very professional. A lot of them were like based in jazz music. So, you know, jazz is one of the most complicated and technical genres and just being able to improvise on a chord progression and knowing tons and tons of different chords just by heart and being able to play them in a heartbeat without even having to think about it. Um, it's just very impressive what they were able to do. We didn't play very much jazz at the camp, but, um, I think a little bit of jazz. Uh, It was just like, (laughs) you know, we were very impressed by the professors. But anyway, um, yeah, so that was a really good experience. I learned some, I guess, advanced techniques for how to like hold my thumb on the bass guitar and how to position my fingers in a way that I had never really thought about before. And it definitely wasn't a topic of the bass lessons that I'd taken previously. So that was really cool to just go to this one week-long camp and very intensive, like learn a bunch and practice a bunch and prepare for a final recital playing bass guitar. And of course, it was really fun to do that with my friend Bobby at the time. Um, But um, yeah, so bass guitar camp, well, guitar and bass camp, and then being in the band. And as you may remember, if you listened to the episode where me and Bobby talked in much detail about uh, the the, the whole story arc of the rock band that we were in, um, I ended up kind of just quitting the band. I wanted to go off and do my own solo thing. Uh, So when I was doing that, um, 
you know, bass became less of a priority. When I was playing on my own, I wanted to be able to do these performances where I was singing, playing saxophone, playing piano, and bass would just be a supporting instrument. So I would play a little bass loop, like... Something like that. Maybe not that exactly. But then I would use my loop pedal, make it repeat by itself, and then I would play piano, and then I would... Uh, start singing or playing saxophone over the top of that, you know? So bass transitioned from this instrument that I'm playing all the time to this instrument that I'm playing uh, maybe just 10 seconds to make a loop that then I can, you know, then provides a foundation that I can start recording other elements on top of that. And so what started out as like a really, really you know, involved relationship with the bass, playing it all the time, learning songs in it all the time. It turned into just like this sort of more distant relationship. It was almost as if I had been dating the bass guitar, (laughs) if that's an analogy that uh, is a thing. Um, It was almost as if I was like dating the bass guitar, you know, constantly waking up, sending good morning texts to the bass, uh, cute winky texts over, and then just like getting together and then like spending my whole time with, well, didn't spend my whole time with the bass guitar, but I definitely, you know, it it was one of those relationships where you, you, you get together like three to four times a week. And when you're together, it's really, really good. You don't have to be joined at the hip together, but it's still a healthy romantic relationship. (laughs) So, um, and then, and then when I broke up with the band, it was almost as if I kind of broke up with the bass too. Um, it wasn't as if I never saw the bass again or never touched it, but it's like we would get coffee sometimes, uh, here and there and maybe like became distant friends, but gradually and gradually we just kind of stopped really seeing each other all that much. And as I was doing more and more performances on my own, I got less and less attached to bringing my bass guitar to those performances. I was much more focused on saxophone, singing, piano. Um, so so that that's kind of how bass sputtered out a little bit. Like throughout the beginning of high school, you know, I quit the band in the summer between middle school and the high school. And then ninth grade, 10th grade, um, and so on. I just wasn't playing it much at all. I was still playing, you know, other instruments, but it just, it did not become as much of a focus for me. And (sighs) fast forward like four years. Um, so I, you know, I decided that I was going to focus on songwriting in 11th grade. And then it wasn't until, um, so that was my junior year of high school. And then it wasn't until like my second year of college, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it was a good long time. Um, not quite four years, but it, it was a, a long time between just giving up musical performance in general and deciding to only write songs to finally, finally, finally playing bass again on one of my own songs. And that was the very first song that I played bass on was If Eve Dumped Adam, the song that I co-wrote with Kate Cosentino. Um, I recorded that over winter break. Um, I went back to the same studio in St. Paul where I'd recorded a bunch of my other songs. And I got together uh, with one of my friends who plays guitar. He played guitar. I played bass. 
um, I felt very shaky because like I practiced this beforehand. I practiced if Eve dumped Adam shortly before the recording session, but even so I felt so insecure about it. Like I have a very vivid memory sitting in that recording booth being like having two people, the, the studio engineer plus my friend just sitting and watching me play bass and struggle to play it without making any fret noises. And what I mean by fret noises is like, this is, uh, this is like a clean tone. Well, that was kind of here. Let me do that better. So that's clean. Right. But then if I accidentally like tap it against the, um, the fretboard, like you hear that noise right now, I'm just pushing the string down so that it like is literally hitting the frets. And if I accidentally hit the frets while I'm playing a note, like there's a little, a little clicking in there that, that, and that clicking can be okay. If just like everything is distorted and you're playing this loud rock song and you're at a performance and nobody can really hear the specifics of what you're playing anyway. Like that was the context in which I played the bass almost always until (laughs) trying to record this soft acoustic song that I co-wrote. And all of a sudden I was thinking about the bass guitar in a way that I had never thought about it before. I wanted to be very delicate and precise and not, not hit the frets like that, you know? So, and I wasn't even playing anything that complicated. It was just something like, like two notes back and forth like that. And then in the chorus, I think I went like. Um, And yet, despite how mind-numbingly simple it was, I still struggled with it. And we had to record a bunch of takes and the final version sounded okay, but it was after, you know, spending a bunch of time editing it. You know, my, my friend who played guitar, who was the guitarist on the song, he is a phenomenal guitarist and he did not have to do that many takes. And generally we were able to use large portions of each take. But for me on the bass guitar, we had to chop it all up and take like the best version of each. And it's like, okay, I I thought I could just like sit down and nail this baseline, but in actuality, this is this is just playing precise like this is harder than I thought it would be. Like trying to be as professional as possible, it, it was just, it was a new thing for me to wrap my head around. And ever since that moment of picking up the bass again to try and. I mean, I guess not just try, but it was successful after a lot of effort uh, to to record the bass for the song. After that, <sighs> um, ever since then, I've been pretty pretty insecure about my ability to play the bass guitar, and hmm, like I've used it in subsequent songs since. I used it in my song uh, "Like a Queen," uh, which I co-wrote with Amy Asher and the the bass line that I played was literally just straight quarter notes. Um, (laughs) 
Uh, but for <laughs> a portion of that song, um, specifically, I think in the in the chorus, I just I don't know. I, I I felt like I wasn't good enough at playing the bass, so I just I literally took a recording of bass guitar that I had from a previous song that I recorded where I hired out all of the instrumentalists. Um, my song Reclaim, the only rock song that I have out on Spotify. Um, all of the, none of those instruments are me playing it. That was back when I got everyone else to do it. So basically for the song, If Eve Dumped Adam, which I wrote way, 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 way after Reclaim, in order to work on the production of If Eve Dumped Adam, I took a little sample of the bass guitar from my song Reclaim and just like, you know, edited it so that the notes would align with the, um, sorry, did I say If Eve Dumped Adam? I meant like a queen. Gosh. Uh, okay. Just, just to get this straight, I co-wrote If Eve Dumped Adam with Kate Cosentino. Uh, that, that was a separate thing that I was... I, I thought I was done talking about that song, but apparently my brain did not want me to be done talking about that song. The other song is Like a Queen, which I co-wrote with Amy Asher. These are two separate songs. Like a Queen is the one that I used the bass sample from the previous song, in addition to playing a little bit of myself. But now I'm just getting knee-deep into the details, and I'd like to just move on. So... So, uh, so the only situation in which I've played bass guitar since the rock band has been if I am trying to record bass for a music song, a music production that I'm working on. I have never since, uh, since the decision on January 1st of 2016, um, that I was going to be a songwriter. I have never since that point played bass guitar live anywhere i have i have done performances where i play piano and sing um i have i did one performance where i was only singing along with somebody else playing guitar but i have never at all ever played the bass guitar in front of an audience since it it had to have been like the summer of 2015 probably and that's a long time not to play an instrument that used to be so important to me it just feels like this again back to the relationship analogy that it's kind of like it's non-existent anymore and i don't know that's kind of sad because i've always like i brought my bass with me to los angeles i brought my bass with me to nashville now i've i've been bringing it with me but (laughs) i haven't been playing it that much and whereas it's really easy for me to sit down at a piano or on my roommate's organ and just like jam out it's really hard for me to just pick up the bass and have a fun time with, with, I guess one exception. Um, (laughs) I, I learned how to play the vocal melody of my song on Spotify, angry departures. And that is the one riff that I will sometimes on occasion pick up my bass and just play that riff for fun. Um, that riff goes like, and it goes on but anyway you get the gist of it (laughs) i was starting to mess up so i'm gonna i'm gonna just stop that uh but yeah so generally i don't pick up the bass to have fun but maybe once i start learning these these rush songs from the album clockwork angels in that book that i brought back from minnesota maybe 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 
I can get back in touch with this instrument that used to be so, so important to me, you know? And I don't know. What's the point? What's the point of all of this? What, what is, what is the message? What is the takeaway? I guess it's just, it's important to know when to let go of things from your past. I'm probably never going to read that AP European history textbook, for instance. (laughs) And um, I don't know, the more things I can find like that, that I can just adequately let go of, I think that's, I think that's good. I think that's healthy to a certain extent. I'm, I'm not going to let go of my bass guitar. At least I don't, I don't have any interest in doing that right now because it's important to me, but I don't know. Like I had already let go of looping. You know, I used to think Back in the beginning of high school, I thought that I was going to be a looping performer and I was going to create all these loops and uh, be the only one on stage, just like Ed Sheeran, captivating a whole crowd using only my voice and instruments. <sighs> and about um, about two years ago, I actually sold all of my loop pedals because I'm not using them anymore. I don't foresee myself ever needing to use them again. And at a certain point, just the money that I would get from selling those loop pedals is better than just trying to hold on to the past, you know? And around the same time, I actually sold my, all of my bass guitar amps. I had two or three bass guitar amps that I, that, that were just kicking around in the house that I hadn't been using hardly at all. And I sold them on Craigslist and now, <laughs> I mean, I kept my bass because I can still use my bass, plugging it into my computer and using the virtual amplifier. Um, right now, the virtual amp that you're hearing in Logic is called uh, Big Stack. Uh, <laughs> it's one of the Logic presets for a bass amp. Sounds so much like a big stack, doesn't it? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so... The reason I kept my bass but gave away my amps is because I wanted to use it in productions and, you know, I can still do that plugging it into my computer and using the virtual amp. And I don't know, it, it would be it would be fun for me to actually have an amp to be able to practice like normal without having to, you know, plug everything in my computer to put on headphones. Like it would be fun to just pick up the bass, plug it into an amp and jam out but maybe maybe that's something i mean that i can be okay with letting go of that i already made a big step towards letting that go when i was um when i sold the amps so why should i have resentment for myself 2 years ago for making that decision when it was definitely the right decision at the time i mean maybe knowing what i now know about trying to use the bass in more songs I wouldn't be so apt to give away the amps, but at the time it was a good decision and maybe I can just be at peace with that. I think one of the biggest things that I need to work on doing is coming to peace with the decisions that I've made and not feeling so resentful of myself for possibly making the wrong decision. You know, um, I feel like if, if I go through the decisions that I've made steering my life choices, especially over the past, you know, two or three years, I could find a lot of things that I'm really self-critical about, but 
if I just accept that it was probably the best decision at the time, maybe that's okay. Maybe, maybe if I learn to love myself, to love my past decisions, I can then love myself in the present too and not feel so conflicted all the time that I'm on the wrong path when it's like, maybe I'm not on the wrong path or maybe there is no right or wrong path. Maybe there's just the path I'm on. And if I'm unsatisfied with it in certain ways, then I can choose to steer myself back in the other direction. Like I can choose to pick up my bass and struggle to play it live on a podcast, (laughs) even if I'm not hitting all the notes right, just because it feels like it's getting me more in touch with who I am as a musician and these instruments that used to be so important to me. Um, I don't know. I've kind of, like, I did have a plan for this podcast episode. I was going to talk about bass guitar, saxophone, piano, um, and just, like, do a tour through the instruments that have been particularly important to me throughout my life. But now I think, honestly, this is a more interesting topic, and... I might just, I don't know, (laughs) I might just have to, 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 to wrap up, um, how long have we been recording? Uh, oh, 40 minutes. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's getting there. We can do another, um, five to 10 minutes or so, but (sighs) yeah, I definitely think this is a more interesting topic than what I had originally planned for this episode to be about. I think that, I, there, there's so many areas in my life where there are things that used to be very, very, very important to me, um, that are maybe not as important anymore. And I just need to make a confident decision. Is it right that I haven't been spending as much time on this one area in my life? Or do I want to make a corrective change and do I want to start spending more time on it? You know, I used to be super, super passionate about learning to speak Spanish. I took Spanish all throughout middle school, high school. Um, I think I took three. Uh, I was in Spanish classes for three out of the four years in high school and uh, two out of the three years in college. And I really, really enjoyed speaking Spanish. It was one thing that I found that I excelled at. And it was just the idea of getting to speak another language and to open up a whole new swath of the population that I could communicate with. It just felt really, really, really special to me. And I don't know, I haven't hardly practiced Spanish in about like a year and a half to two years. And that feels very, very distressing to me almost like, like it's something like it's a burden on me. Like it's something that I should do, but I just, for whatever reason, haven't found the time or motivation to do it. I, whenever I see like instructions and there's the English version and the Spanish version or like signs, like, especially in the grocery store, there's like signs in English and in Spanish or, um, there's this one ad that I pass every day on the way to work um, at a particular restaurant in Nashville. It's it's a Mexican restaurant, and the sign says, Se necesitan meseros. I probably slaughtered that. Se necesitan meseros. Did I get that right? Um, and on the other side of the sign, it says the English version, which is uh, waiters needed. <laughs> They're just hiring, hiring for waiters. Um, and... 
And when I see that sign, I feel like, oh, I need to practice my Spanish. I need to get better at this. If I don't practice it, then I'm going to lose what I've learned in the language. And I'm going to go back like years, years, fall years behind in all of that work that I put into learning Spanish throughout school. (sighs) So it's like coming to this crossroads of, okay, I've been out of college for over a year now. Is Spanish something that I want to kind of practice every so often to still stay in touch with it and not just forget everything? Or is it something that I can honestly let go of, you know? Is it something that I can be like, you know, there's only so much time in a day. I'm just me. I'm going to be the best version of me that I can be. And that doesn't necessarily include being fluent in Spanish at the end of the day. There's so many more life-enriching things that I want to pursue than learning Spanish. Or if maybe maybe that is something that I want to invest more time on, and maybe I don't necessarily have to go all the way to fluency, but just keeping it up a bit. You know, I'm probably going to be going down to Mexico with family Uh, next year, early next year. And just the thought of being down there and being at restaurants and not being able to order my food in Spanish, like ordering is the easiest thing to do because I took a whole, a whole, there was a whole unit in like seventh grade Spanish where we learned how to order food. And it's like, if I can pronounce the words and point to the pictures and maybe ask like one random question or two, in Spanish, like that's super easy. You don't have to be able to carry on an entire conversation in Spanish in order to order food. So maybe, 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 maybe just a starting point for me is to learn how to, to, to re-familiarize myself with the verbs and the vocabulary and the pronunciation skills in order to order food, just to be able to do that and to be able to say that I did it when I go um, to Mexico this coming January. Uh, maybe maybe that would be a reasonable goal to do, and maybe I don't have to take it any further than that right now. I was I used to be so invested in time management and goal setting, and everything that I do has to be like really well thought out and have a plan from point A to point B, and I have to have these big lofty goals like. I'm going to become a famous musician playing saxophone and looping performances, or I'm going to become fluent in Spanish and be able to have long conversations with other people in the language, or I'm going to become a YouTuber and become famous on YouTube. Like These are all things that I've thought about, and all of those are definitely within the realm of, I guess, possibility. Like, I'm not saying you should never set lofty goals, but I'm just saying that for me personally, reflecting on my own past, when I was when I was a high schooler and like early in my college experience, I I think I had goals that were so lofty that it almost became unhealthy, if that makes sense, because the more time you spend that you have these goals that are so, so far out of reach the less motivated you come to, to to work on those goals. So if you can just set like an incremental goal and just not worry about anything else down the line, like if I can just order my food at a restaurant in Spanish, maybe that can save me the stress of just not doing it at all and being complacent or 
trying to do way too much and trying to become fluent and not becoming fluent because you can't become fluent in a language in six months. Um, Balance is so important. Balance is one of the things that I think my life now is a lot more in balance in some ways than it was in college. And that's really stressing me out because <laughs> I kind of, I don't know, I'm, I'm attracted to the idea of living an out of balance lifestyle where I'm working so much and I'm not sleeping as much as I want and I'm struggling to meet all these deadlines. And I don't know, um, there, there's definitely ways in my life in which it's still out of balance. Uh, like, I, I still wish I was writing songs more frequently, for instance. But just in terms of, I don't know, time spent doing things productively to time spent with friends or family or watching Netflix, you know, time spent working versus time spent on leisure. I think my life is a lot more in balance now than it was in college. And that makes sense that, you know, you get out of college and you stop being so <laughs> intense all the time. And that, and that's, I think, a good thing. But I don't know. I do almost envy those who are working like part-time or full-time jobs in addition to having like three to four co-writing sessions every single week and really doing the grind on music. But also, is that a lifestyle that I am trying to pursue? I don't know. These are the big questions. Maybe maybe this episode is not about bass. It's not about European history. It's it's about it's about asking the 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 big questions about how do you or how do I want to be spending my time, you know? Um so yeah, that 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 was a lot. Um I I'm just going to go back to what I said earlier about it's really important to learn to let go of things, to make confident decisions and that's a lot easier said than done. <laughs> that is so much easier said than done. I think I would like to learn to order my food in Spanish though. And I think I would like to learn a few of the songs just for fun in the, the rush bass guitar book. Um, so to close it out, I'll give you just a little bit more, um, copyrighted music on my bass guitar, but it's not using the sound recording. So that's only half of the violation. Um, this is what I've been learning of the Rush song, The Anarchist from Clockwork Angels. And this will be the last thing on the podcast. Um, what do I see? I see my bass guitar and I'll just get it out of the way now until next time. Yeah, kind of rough, um, very off the cuff, but those are my unedited bass guitar takes. So there you have it. Um, yeah, said it once, say it again. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>